4: Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, 1-866-408-7669. We'll have a lot to discuss today. As you know, explosive week. A little bit surprising. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West in 10 minutes. Rich Lowry at the bottom of the hour. And we'll get their points of view on what's taking place. We know, on a side note, I was stunned to get this news. Last night at the Hollywood Bowl, comedian Dave Chappelle was, uh, and friends were performing for a Netflix special we haven't seen yet. They were just taping it. And a guy rushed the stage. And evidently, there's a report that he was armed. He ends up getting beat up and brought through an ambulance. Hopefully, he's still in jail right now. But if Dave Chappelle at a Netflix special is vulnerable on stage, what hope does anybody else have in that small club in the Midwest or the big club in Manhattan? Maybe you're not established if they can't protect the famous ones. And I'm telling you right now, if that doesn't happen at the Oscars, this doesn't happen at the Hollywood Bowl. We'll discuss that, what it means for performers or lecturers or anybody else that happens to say some things that might rub people the wrong way. Remember, they tried to cancel him on his uh, transgender joke. Let's get to the big three.
3: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three.
4: Number
5: three. The truth is that we were too slow to grasp what was really happening. And we collectively failed to impose the sanctions then that we should have put on Vladimir Putin. And we cannot make the same mistake again.
4: Boris Johnson obviously united against Russia as they try to gain ground in Ukraine. The EU makes a move to walk away from Russian oil and gas altogether for every European Union uh, country. And mysteriously, the Russian offensive seems slow and tepid, according to the Pentagon, yet barbaric. Number two.
0: Thanks to the president for everything, for endorsing me, and I got to say, a lot of the fake news media out there, they wanted to write a story that this campaign would be the death of Donald Trump's America first agenda. Ladies and gentlemen, it ain't ain't the death of the America first
4: agenda. All right, uh, stop with the fake news. Can we get over that? Uh, Midterm mania has begun, and what a night for President Trump's hand-picked candidates in Ohio and Indiana. The headline, J.D. Vance wins in a walk. We're going to look at what the Fox poll says the country cares most about into the midterm. As we get said, every week we'll have an impactful uh, primary.
1: Number one. My worry is that this is just the beginning. Next logo after gay
6: marriage. There are a lot of things now on the chopping block. Fundamental rights include interstate travel, include the idea of same-sex marriage.
7: What other cases have been decided based on these precedents that could now be in jeopardy?
4: Same-sex marriage. Interstate travel? Interracial marriage? Are you kidding? Melting down over a draft, a draft of the end of Road v. Wade uh, and melting down is exactly the story because that's what's happening in a decision that was leaked out in an unprecedented fashion. We now think Roe v. Wade probably has a month left. Doesn't mean abortions banned. It means you just got to go to your state. But that doesn't stop Democrats for seemingly on note, ready to just jump into the fray because Politico had the story. They got these documents. It's time to find out who the leaker is, number one. Number two. The ramifications are tremendous. You have protests in San Francisco, in Louisville, Kentucky, in Seattle, in New York, Los Angeles, in Philadelphia. uh, And sometimes they got violent. Believe it or not, it's not the cop's fault that somebody leaked out a Supreme Court justice opinion. If you're rallying or rioting, don't hit a cop. uh, Destroy yourself. Not law enforcement. We've had enough problems. So what is the action? So what I was telling you yesterday is this is that uh, Justice Alito wrote the opinion in a brief that is just a outline that says it is time to heed the Constitution and return the issue of abortion to the people, elected representatives. That includes state representatives. The permissibility of abortion and the limitations upon it are to be resolved like most important questions in our democracy by citizens trying to persuade one another when it comes to voting. This is what the Constitution and the rule of law Demands. But that didn't stop everybody from losing their minds. Case in point, cut four my worry is that this is just the beginning
1: next they'll go after gay marriage and and maybe maybe uh uh the board the what is it brown versus board of education yeah they already eroded our voting rights a little bit so i see
6: some i see fascism down the line here there are a lot of things now on the chopping block fundamental rights include interstate travel include the idea of same-sex marriage include same-sex relationships just to name a few now this is essentially gone what's next
1: In the event that we had a Republican president in 2024, um, that's where we'd be. We'd be at a, you know, South America-style
7: nationwide abortion ban in America. What other cases have been decided based on these precedents that could
0: now be in jeopardy? Same-sex marriage.
4: Oh, my goodness. All right, here we go. So, Chief Judge, theres a a few things. I want to look at the leaker. Chief Justice uh, Roberts decried the betrayal and aimed at undermining the Supreme Court's decision— On abortion. That is the cover in the New York Post. And John Roberts put this out yesterday. To the extent the betrayal of the confidences of the court was intended to undermine the integrity of our operations, it will not succeed. The work of the court will not be affected in any way. I have directed the marshal of the court to launch an investigation into the source of the leak. So the Marshal is gonna have to marshal some people together, question two hundred and sixty people, and find out who did who did it. It is pretty amazing. I don't know how this is going to turn out, how coordinated all the Democrats were. Almost immediately word is that Joe Biden got word that this document was out in politicos' hands on Friday night, or dare I say Saturday night, the Washington Correspondence Dinner. Maybe. We'll have to see. Bottom line is, I would love to have seen all Supreme Court justices at a press conference yesterday talking about how outrageous it is and how determined they are to find out what happened here. You want to hear Unhinged? Listen to Elizabeth Warren. Cut 10.
6: I am angry because an extremist United States Supreme Court thinks that they can impose their extremist views on all of the women of this country, and they are wrong. Yes!
8: because we have reached the culmination of what... All we right, love- I, can't,
4: I can't listen anymore. She's just screaming craziness. This is a college professor. Get a hold of yourself. By the way, the Pocahontas is trending on Twitter because people think she's on hands. She has no constituency. She's, I can't believe she even won in Massachusetts. She ran for president, has zero popularity. I'm going to get me a beer. We can't forget about that. Mark Levin, who is a constitutional
9: expert, cut eight. The Democrat Party is out to undermine this country. They've been threatening this court for years, threatening its independence, threatening individual justices, have destroyed the confirmation process, destroyed people's names. We don't have to take this from these people. And women of America, you should rise up. Chuck Schumer just said he represents 100 million women. He doesn't represent 100 million women, that goofball. He doesn't represent any women as far as I'm concerned. So, the, my, and Mark went on for 20 minutes. This is his
4: area. He wrote Men in Black, all about the Supreme Court justices. My fear is that some people are going to change their votes because of public opinion. They're going to be in Kavanaugh's house. They're going to be in Alito's house. They're going to find out uh, where Gorsuch lives. And they're going to say, after a while, do I even want to do this? If you're nominated to be a Supreme Court justice, and they're going to be harassing you for the rest of your life, like Kavanaugh's obviously lived a nightmare so far. By the way, Fox did a poll about the thing that concerned most of you, Not even in the top 10 is abortion. Not even in the top 10. So you have the president of the United States, who's remarkably unpopular at 42 percent. On the economy, he's 28 percent. When you have crime, inflation at the rate it is, a war raging in Europe that could easily spiral out of control. I'm not saying Roe v. Wade doesn't matter, but it's an opinion, but it's not final. So that doesn't stop Bernie Sanders for calling to blow up the filibuster and codify Roe v. Wade, make it law. But to do that, you have to blow the filibuster with over 50 votes. Joe Manchin does not want to do it. Never has, still doesn't cut 13.
10: Can you prepared to support ending the filibuster to deal with Roe? I no comment to
7: make on basically leaks and things. So I'm just to see everything.
4: What about codifying Roe? Do you still stand against? Roe? We're going to
11: wait and make comment after... Uh, after we see the final
1: word. Are guys. you opposed to any federal legislation, Senator, that would
0: codify Ralph, regardless of the leak? Thank
4: you. Yeah, so they roll over Kirsten Cinema, Joe Manchin, Murkowski, and Collins. Murkowski and Collins are both upset. Two Republicans. They think that uh, Kavanaugh and Gorsuch did not tell him the truth. But by the way, Joe Biden has changed. Listen to Joe Biden. Joe Biden's been around forever, 50 years. And just, if you just saying to yourself, I thought this guy was moderate, he was. Listen to this. Cut to.
3: Tell me about abortion. Where Where do you stand and how will you face that
12: issue as a um, uh It's going to be very difficult. I, I do not view abortion as a uh, um, as a choice and a right. I think it's always a tragedy. And I think that uh, it should be uh, rare and safe. And I think we should be focusing on how to limit the number of abortions. And they ought to be able to have a common ground and consensus as to do that. See, I'm a little, I'm a bit, bit of an odd man out in my party. I do not vote for funding for abortion. I voted against partial birth abortion. Mm-hmm to limit it and I vote for no restrictions on a woman's right to be able to have an abortion under Roe v. Wade and so I am uh, I made everybody angry
4: right so that is Joe Biden 2006 man is he different when we come back Alan West joins me then we have Rich Lowry from the National Review and then your calls 1-866-408-7669 come back
3: the fastest growing talk show in America you're with Brian Kilmeade From the Fox News
0: Podcasts Network.
6: I'm Janice Dean, Fox News senior meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine.
3: A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show.
0: Now, this campaign, I really think, was a referendum on what kind of a Republican party we want and what kind of a country we want. We went to battle. Do we want a Republican party that stands for the donors who write checks to the Club for Growth? Or do we want a Republican party for the people right here in Ohio? Ladies and gentlemen, we just answered the question.
4: J.D. Vance wins after Donald Trump Supports him. And it was a very close race in, in the end after the Donald Trump endorsement came in. J.D. Vance wins the Republican nomination uh, for, uh, to be the senator to replace Rob Portman in Ohio. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West joins us now. Colonel, can we officially say in your mind that Ohio's a red state?
13: Yeah, and it's good to be with you, Brian. Without a doubt, I think that Ohio is is a red state now. When you look at uh, what has happened in, in the last couple of election cycles, and the fact that it is a a blue collar state, and the Democrats have lost that state, and I think they really need to be concerned about losing some of these other uh, used, you know blue collar states, you know, like a Michigan or even uh, a place like a Pennsylvania, if you can overcome the the fraud and the things that happen in uh, Philadelphia.
4: Uh, A couple of things. So J.D. Vance wins with 340,000 votes, 32 percent of the vote. Josh Mandel, uh, 23 percent of the vote. And uh, Matt Dolan with 23 percent of the vote. Tim Ryan's coming out and he says, I'm going to run it. He gets the nomination going away for the Democratic side. He says, I'm going to run an American first campaign. Is it possible for him to run an American first campaign? Isn't that Trump's campaign?
13: Yeah, it is Trump's campaign. And, you know, Tim Ryan, I served with him in Congress. and He is truly one of those conservative blue dog Democrats. But that's not what the Democrat Party today is. The Democrat Party is a progressive socialist party. Uh, Fringes of them are Marxist, even. And when you look at uh, what they stand for and the type of candidates that they're going to support, look at how they're going after Henry Cuellar down here in Texas and putting up very uh, leftist uh, candidates against him. Uh, And he's in a runoff that will happen a later on this month. So the uh, the left does not want these centrist Democrats anymore. They want far-left candidates. And so God bless Tim Ryan, but he's not going to be successful trying to run uh, along those lines.
4: Well, a couple of things. It looks like the president of the United States did great. Yes, I think he had he was 10 for 10 or 11 for 11 in candidates he picked in the primary. Usually former presidents don't win in a primary. But having said that, a lot of them were close. So next is going to be, the next big one is going to be Georgia. Brian Kemp yeah. is way up. Uh, and Herschel Walker is way up. It's not much drama there, but the president will be suffering loss. He wanted Kemp out, right?
13: Yeah, he did. And, you know, when it goes back to what happened there in Georgia and the fact that you can't have a secretary of state that is changing election law uh, and the, the consent agreement, for whatever reason, they buckled to the pressure of Stacey Abrams and did not allow those signatures on those those ballots, those uh, absentee, well, mail-in ballots that were there. And the Supreme Court had just ruled against that. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see how it comes out there in Georgia. So uh, he'll get a a win with Herschel, but he may not get a win with uh, Brian Kemp. So now we have
4: the Supreme Court Justice, uh, uh, the Supreme Court Justice Alito, evidently in February after December oral arguments. In February 23rd, he writes an opinion, and and it's a draft, That says Roe v. Wade Mm -hmm. should be overturned. It's not constitutional. Nothing about abortion is in the Constitution. Let the states decide. I mean, that's what Republicans have wanted for a while, but it leaks out ahead of time. What do you think is the most important part of this story?
13: The most important part of the story is that the left is seeking to undermine one of the institutions of our government, which is the judicial branch, the Supreme Court. Uh, this is unprecedented. It is unethical, and uh, it may be illegal because you're obstructing a, a case that was heard uh, before the Supreme Court. But w- when you think about where we are, the, the left does not care about or respect any of our governing institutions. And the fact that they are celebrating this person that leaked that uh, that document, this is going to send shockwaves throughout the Supreme Court. And we cannot have a politicized Supreme mm-hmm. Court. But what the progressive socialist left believes in, they believe in fear, intimidation, coercion, threats, and ultimately violence. And so without a doubt, this was done to try to intimidate the members of the Supreme Court. But in his uh, draft opinion, there was a sentence in there that Justice Alito said, that the court cannot bow to political or social whims.
4: Yeah, it depends on how you quantify that, but I hear you. Uh, if you start doing what's popular instead of what's right, I think we're lost as a country. Here
6: so,
13: we are.
4: Yeah, uh, the Democrats. You want to hear a clueless Democrat? Congresswoman Jaya powell cut nine.
6: These justices are acting like this is somehow something that they have the right to change. They do not have the right to change this, we cannot accept it. I don't think people across this country are going to accept it.
4: Well, what do
9: you think?
13: <laughs> well, obviously she does not understand the three branches of government. The Supreme Court and the judicial branch are supposed to interpret law, not make law. And for whatever reason, those people of the progressive socialist left believe that courts can make law which comes back to what they believe in. They don't believe in three branches of government. They believe in three branches of rule, which is the media, academia, and the courts. Uh, so the, Justice Alito was right. When you interpret the Constitution, there is no enumerated power there right. that says an individual has the right to murder uh, an unborn child. And so the Supreme Court in 1973 overstepped their boundaries. And of course the left took that as, you know this is standing law. The only people that could make law Obviously, uh, this congresswoman doesn't understand that. That's a legislative branch.
4: I hear you. Uh, lastly, Dave Chappelle on stage, arguably the best comedian in the country, has pressure because of some joke unfed to the trans community. He was able to just work through it. He says, I'm not stopping. No one's canceling me. Well, last night at the Hollywood Bowl, Netflix special, they stormed the stage. He looks like he got tackled. He was able to get up unhurt. They beat up the attacker. I think this all, if the Oscars doesn't happen with Will Smith and Chris Rock, this doesn't happen. What do you think?
13: No, I absolutely agree. Uh, and because what we're doing is we are rewarding this bad behavior. And so uh, there should have been charges brought against Will Smith, and it should be very clear that that's not going to be tolerated. But again, this is what happens with the left. If you don't agree with their ideological agenda, they will seek to censor you and shut you down, create a dis- disinformation governance board, or they will physically attack you.
4: Yeah, that, that worked that well. The American Constitutional Rights Union Executive Director, Lieutenant Colonel Allen Webb, thanks so much.
13: My pleasure. All the best, Brian. All
4: right, inside the conservative think tank of Rich Lowry in his brain from the National Review. Don't move. He's next.
3: A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade.
15: This right-wing retrograde court put in by our Republican Senate, many other rights are at risk if they succeed in getting this accomplished. So that's the bottom line here, folks. We have a great contrast between the Republican vision for America and our vision for America this isn't your grandfather's Republican Party, America. It's Donald Trump's Republican Party. It's a right-wing Republican Party. It's a party where your children will have less rights than you did.
4: Right. Uh, Chuck Schumer, we're already with that speech. I don't know why. Rich Lowry, editor of The National Review, author of The Case for Nationalism. Rich, uh, wh- how would you describe the last 24 hours as we look at the end of Roe v. Wade, perhaps?
10: Well, it's been extraordinary. I mean, one thing that's just been been amazing is I don't think I've heard anyone on the center-left saying, oh, I I hate Alito's opinion. I hope it's not really the majority, but this should never be leaked. And that's a terrible blow to the institution of the Supreme Court. Most of them blow right by by that or – State that supports a leak and want to burn down the Supreme Court if yeah. it goes the wrong way, so these are the people who have lectured us for five years about the importance of institutions, norms, standards, all the rest of it and here 's one Supreme Court decision that's going to go the wrong way, an important one you know, but it would reverse it, a decision that was wrongly decided fifty years ago and return um, abortion policy to the states and and it, you know I, I think Supreme Court justices that are the justices in the majority need security and should get it.
4: Yeah, I guess so. But it looks like they're going to be challenged and harassed. I think to a lot, of, a lot of people are not going to want to do this anymore. They should not care about public opinion. And we see that with Alito saying that it doesn't really transfer elsewhere. But the media meltdown starts saying that the Republicans aren't going to allow interracial marriage, cross-state lines, same-sex marriage, all in jeopardy. That's within 24 hours already with the hyperbole. Yeah,
10: no, it's, it's crazy. And th- this is— uh, Rose wrongly decided. There's just there's no constitutional basis for a sweeping right to abortion. There just isn't, and that's been a no- another notable aspect of this debate. Brian, very telling, is none of them say you know, you hear humor there saying, take away the rest of your rights. None of them say, oh, this is this is where the right to abortion is in the Constitution. This is why the Supreme Court is getting it wrong on a constitutionalist understanding uh, of, of our system. None of that. You know, it's all, this is bad for women. You know, this is going to be terrible for gay marriage, et cetera, et cetera, because there is no argument that there's a right to abortion in the Constitution.
4: Kristen Welker of NBC kind of got confronted on the narrative about uh, late-term abortion and how Republicans, most of all, are against a cut five.
6: People who support late-term abortions do so only if the safety and the life of the mother is at This is not true. Is Evidence, this
8: is literally not true. And I, and I challenge you, I will send you the, the the objective data on this. It is literally not true. And I, th- I challenge you to do that work and not just guess. That is, that is the can,
6: argument that most people, people who support late-term abortions make
4: Right, uh, that's the argument most people uh, late-term abortions make. But that is not what the, the fact of the matter is. Uh, final thought on this?
10: Yeah, the, the people don't understand Roe. People think Roe is kind of this reasonable, moderate regime where you can get an abortion the first trimester, and then and then after that, it gets it gets really hard. It's just not true. It's not. It, it has imposed on the United States one of the most sweeping. Um, pro-abortion regimes in the world. M- almost all European countries have more abortion restrictions than we're allowed to have or even consider in the United States. That's wrong. That's insane. It shouldn't stand. And I'm hoping, you know, I don't want to want to uh, jinx or get my hopes up too high, but I'm hoping something like the Alito opinion is actually the majority opinion and this returns to the democratic realm again.
4: All right. Let's fast forward to the primaries. Big night for Donald Trump last night, wouldn't you say?
10: Yeah, the, the JD Vance is uh, a, a notch in his belt. JD, you know, he ran that campaign from the beginning, uh, uh, gunning for Trump's endorsement. He got it, and that delivered the uh, the win to to Vance. You know, he was he was in, in third, or depending which poll, second place prior to Trump's endorsement. Crowded field, Trump's endorsement him, you know, and he jumps up. 10, 12 more points, and that's just going to make a difference in a, in a crowded field. So, yeah, that's that's one Trump can brag about.
4: Right, it could. Now, straight ahead, you have Dr. Oz and Dave McCormick. That'll be a tough one. You also have Brian Kemp and uh, Purdue. That's another one. Uh, that's going to be he, Herschel Walker uh, should win. So he jumps out 10 or 11 and 0, the president.
10: Yeah, so the McCormick-Oz is is a big one, and that just looks as though it's still neck and neck. You know, with, with the JD Trump endorsed him, and immediately you talked to the other campaigns like, oh, "Oh crap," you know, JD's up seven points the last two days and, and seems to be rising. The the Pennsylvania race seems still basically to be tied. George is going to be – uh, that, that. that's going to be a, a, a bad night for Trump. Kemp's going to win there. Uh, it could be that Rassenburg, the Secretary of State, is going to win, shockingly. I thought he'd be dead. But uh – Uh, could win as well. And then Herschel doesn't really have significant opposition. And the the question with Herschel, you know, is he going to be up for it to win the general? And I think that that's going to be a a close race, but he has a really good shot of of beating Warnock.
4: I mean, he's got to engage people. I've talked to some people who know him and are pulling for him, and he does not want to get into the debate yet. Maybe he's taking his time, but he has to know that he's got to debate Warnock at some point. About what this means for Trump, Kelly, and Conway, cut 25.
2: Look, I think you call it the Trump bump. J.D. Vance was at about 11 or 12 percent a month ago. He went up 12, 13 points in one month. He won tonight decisively. A couple of his opponents have endorsed him already. And I, I think the president ran the tables in Ohio because Ohioans see... That inflation, immigration, border security, what's going on in Ukraine, gas pump, grocery store, everything that is vexing and perplexing them, they fear is at the seat of, as at the hands of people like Tim Ryan, the Democratic nominee now up against J.D. Vance, a total phony, really a mini Joe Biden, next generation, mini Loch Ness monster. Mm-hmm. He's been in Washington 20 years, completely unremarkable. He's already lost one race for president. Sound familiar?
4: Yeah, uh, so Kellyanne Conway, no one talks quicker, but she really she's going for Dave McCormick, <laughs> by the way. Uh, ben so ben they,
10: Shapiro talks a little faster. Yeah, so it'd be good to see a contest between them. Or uh, Ben should have Kellyanne on his podcast. So, J,
4: yeah. so JD Vance at thirty-two, Josh Mandel twenty-three, Matt Dolan twenty-three. So he gets the nomination to go against Tim Ryan. Who did it in a walk? Tim Ryan's already talking about America first as a Democrat, but JD Vance is is uh, pretty impressive. As a candidate, obviously, Hillbilly Elegy, best selling book. Growing up uh, extremely poor and rural, that helps. Uh, it helps you round you out as a person. Goes to an Ivy League school, serves in the military. That's a pretty impressive background at 37.
10: Yeah, so I think it, this race might be a little closer than it would have been with uh, some of the the other Republicans, but is going to win. I, I think any of those Republicans would win in Ohio. This year, and Tim Ryan's going to, you know, the, the Ohio Democrats are a little different than other Democrats. You know, they they are more working class and populist in their orientation. So, so Tim Ryan will try to hit that hard, but I, I can't see him uh, possibly winning in this environment this in this year.
4: Two other things: Lisa Murkowski, the president Trump wants out, and Liz Cheney. What are their? Uh, do you know their individual prospects?
10: I haven't followed either extremely closely. I would just say Murkowski is just one of these senators, you know, sort of like Susan Collins in Maine, that's just established this independent identity and has a brand in a, in the state and is really embedded in the political culture. And it's just hard. It's going to be hard to beat her. But Liz Cheney, I, I just can't see. I, I think she's a goner. Unless something really weird happens, really? and you know, every and every Democrat you know votes for her in that in that race, and she somehow inches it out, but I don't, I I I think she's on a a one way road to a CNN contract.
4: <laughs> uh, lastly, Ukraine. But by, by the way, they'll find out she is legitimately conservative, and they'll they'll stop using if they sign her. <laughs>
10: uh, by
4: the way, Ukraine, you, uh interesting war. The Ukraine. We know the Russians still are bombing all types of cities, but for the most part, I was shocked to see this in the New York Times today, and it said. The Pentagon is wondering why the Russians are moving so slow and they don't seem motivated, although they're bombing doing their barbaric things, but the speed their their speed they say the word is tepid uh and head to head you the Ukrainians seem to always be successful. What do you think's happening
10: you know it, it just may be that one the, the kind of the rot in the the Russian military is pretty deep, and even after they they re- rejiggered the strategy and just focused on the East still that the logistics and the supply lines and all that are challenging to them. Plus, they, they just don't have the morale that, uh, that, that no no one wants to die for, for trying to dismember uh, or take over Ukraine if you're a Russian, whereas you're, you're Ukrainian, you're highly motivated to, to defend your homeland. So we've talked about this before. I was shocked that Ukraine was able to defend Kyiv. And I'd, I'd be a little surprised if they defeat the Russians in the East, but it's it's – possible and the bombarding and the rocketing that's easy relatively you do it from a distance they really want to take a city you got to get out of your armored vehicles and you got to walk on patrol and put yourself at risk and it just seems as though Mm -hmm. the russians either aren't trained or motivated or both to do that
4: admiral uh, james starvitas as you know he used to run nato uh, former supreme allied commander cut 29 Frankly,
9: it's not just those kind of precision-guided fires that we're really good at and we're discovering the Russians are really bad at. I just keep coming back to logistics. Uh, You know, it's it's boring to kind of figure out, oh, how do I get those artillery shells 600 kilometers downrange? How do I get that intelligence in the hands of my planners? All that stuff isn't sexy. That's not Top Gun kind of stuff. But... That's what war moves on. Execution, competence, logistics. That's really where they're failing. And that's where you're seeing our side of the fence, putting the hands uh, of Ukrainians full of the tools of war. Um, We're really good at that stuff across the board.
4: Yeah. And the Ukrainians uh, have more help. The European Union is proposing a total ban on Russian oil, which, which would be gas due. They'd have uh they'd ban all import crude in the next six months and refined oil product imports by the end of 2022. Uh, it's not going to be easy, but they're going to push for it. They're going to give uh, they're going to give uh, Hungary a little bit more time. The United States and Britain have also been sending streams of increasingly powerful arms. Uh, to Russia's Nordic neighbors, Finland and Sweden, who are inching closer to joining NATO. But they're worried that in the window before they join, the Russians might attack. I watch what Russia's doing in Ukraine. I'm thinking they can't if they can't beat Sweden. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can't beat uh, Sweden anyway. But they just do want to make sure there's no there's no type of, I guess, tactical nuke there.
10: Yeah, so uh, the strategic costs of this to Russia are just so high. <laughs> to, to have Europe cutting off you know as you say it's going to be hard it's not, take a while cutting off oil and gas, you know, Scandinavian countries talking about joining NATO, everyone rearming and, and getting supplied with weapons to defend themselves is the exact opposite of what Putin was counting on. And per the point about the, the logistics, militaries fundamentally reflect their societies. And, and Russia has just never been a competent, well-run uh, place and it has always had a, a corrupt uh, government on a certain level. And the military reflects that, you know, and, and our military is fantastic at logistics, re- reflecting our, our society. You know, supply chain issues aside at the moment is incredibly good, at like doing things and delivering things. So uh, on top of everything else, this is really an an indictment of of Russia as such.
4: And Rich, uh, closing closing question, if Trump is strong in these primaries with his endorsements like the J.D. Vance situation, if Dr. Aza uh, triumphs and Herschel triumphs and some other uh, other ones. Do you believe he runs and do you think that his decision really weighs on how much influence he shows?
10: I think it's part of the equation. You know, it's hard to tell. He's telling absolutely everyone he's gonna he's gonna run. I think, you know, there's a seventy eight, eighty percent chance that he's gonna run. You know, I think what happens with these endorsements weighs weighs somewhat. I think, you know, polling uh, will, will weigh somewhat. Size of his crowds will weigh somewhat. But then the biggest factor that would stop him is it's just health and whether he's he's feeling up to it. And if he is, you know, I think it's, it's very likely he runs and very likely he limits the, the field and very likely he wins the nomination.
4: And true, if he doesn't run, they probably have the best cast of young talent That I remember, but you have much better perspective than me. Am I right between Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, Rick Scott, uh, Ron DeSantis, Mike Pompeo, Mike Pence? uh, That's just off the top of my head
10: yeah the, my caution cautionary note is as i've gone through this rodeo a lot of times and 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 have, have made statements like you just did a lot of times and then they actually run you're like oh and this one has this flaw and, and this one's not taking out for this reason and this one's out of money so oftentimes it looks better on on paper than it ends up in reality but yes it, it looks like an incredible uh crop and certainly if you compare it to what the democrats have if biden doesn't run which i think is is also likely it's, it's, uh, the, the disparity is huge.
4: Wow. Uh, great point. Uh, Rich, inter- interesting. It's good to be Donald Trump today. I'm sure this is one of his, uh, a big sigh of relief when JD Vance won and convincingly by nine points. And then we,
10: yeah, uh, he, he, he chose wisely because was JD was in third place, but he was never out of it. And then the guys on top of him were really flawed. Uh, Mandel, uh, did not run a good campaign. Mike Mike, Gibbons was not that serious a guy. Um, and, uh, who had been boosted just by a, a TV blitz. So it was it was, it was, was good timing, and it, and it made it made a difference, there's no doubt.
4: Got it. Uh, all right, uh, Rich, always educational, National Review. He's the author of The Case for Nationalism. Rich Lowry, thank you.
10: Thanks, Brian. Talk soon.
4: alright eight six six four 408 1-866-408-7669. We'll finish up this hour with your calls. A lot to discuss. Of course, the latest with uh, Roe v. Wade, the latest on the midterm mania, and the latest on Russia, Brian Kilmeade Show
3: politics current events and news that affects you brian's got a lot more to say stay with brian kilmeade the more you listen the more you'll know it's brian kilmeade
6: well, you know, at this point, we do not know where the leak came from, but we do know that there has been a pattern of attacks on the Supreme Court going back quite some time. Um, we saw during the Kavanaugh confirmation where there were attempts to disrupt the constitutional proceeding of a confirmation of a Supreme Court justice. When Justice Kavanaugh was confirmed, there were people who attacked the Supreme Court, tried to tear down those 13 ton doors at the front of the court, scaling the walls. You had people attacking the cars of all the justices, including Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Justice Kagan.
4: Uh, so th- that was Molly Hemingway, too. At, at that one point, uh, Laura Ingram was having trouble coughing, uh, which happens to everybody, especially if you're a single host, and you start coughing, you kind of lost. So Molly just jumped in. This is her area. She writes about it all the time. I wrote a book about the Kavanaugh situation and what went down. And some of the anger that we're seeing here really reminds me of that. It just seems unhinged. When asked, the American people, according to a new Fox poll, um, uh, American people, what is the most important uh, the, the important issue to you? Do you know what is, what is 11th? Abortion and Roe v. Wade. I'm not saying it's not important, but to me, the most important thing that I would like to see found out this week latest is who the leaker is, because that will show me what is designed or not designed. Maybe there's an organic, up, you know, uh, anger that came out with Elizabeth Warren that the vice president suddenly able to speak to a pro-choice meeting yesterday on Emily's List or whatever it's called. The president of the United States was uh, evidently informed on this on Friday. How did he know uh, ahead of time? It just makes you wonder if this is all scripted. Here's Lindsey Graham on the leak. Remember, Lindsey Graham's a, a lawyer. Cut 15.
10: WHAT HAPPENED TO JOE BIDEN? HE GOT HIJACKED BY THE MOST RADICAL PEOPLE IN THE COUNTRY. HE'S CAPTIVE TO THEIR INTEREST. WHAT HAPPENED TO THE COURT TODAY? was the saddest chapter in the history of the United States Supreme Court. This was despicable, it's dangerous, and it was dumb. To the person who did this, if it's a conservative, you're a traitor to the cause. If it's a liberal, you're the dumbest person in Washington because it's not gonna change the midterms. You're not gonna scare any conservative judge away from repealing Roe v. Wade, and it should be repealed, it should go back to the states. And you're adding a narrative to a storyline that you wanna win and you don't give a damn about how you win.
4: Uh, That's a fired-up Lindsey Graham, and that is true. We will find out. I think we really need to find out. It's between one and 260 people. All right, minus the Supreme Court justices themselves. I'm sure Alito didn't lift it and put it out to themselves. It would have been nice to see them all at a press conference and express that outrage, wouldn't it?
3: Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City. Fresh off the set of Fox and Friends. It's America's receptive voice. Brian uh, that's right. uh, The fastest
4: growing talk show. Hopefully it's only going to get bigger this week. We actually uh, added a great station in Myrtle Beach. We're privileged to be in that beautiful city. Uh, and of course, we've got uh, three great guests this hour. Senator Marsha Blackburn at 34. Uh, we'll do a simulcast on FBN. We'll do another network, which is always fun. Mark Penn standing by. The President of the United States will be talking at 2 o'clock about the economy. My hunch is he's from the Roosevelt Room. He's going to talk about the outrage, which is the projected elimination of Roe v. Wade and how he spent his whole career against it, fighting against it, um, or fighting for it, uh, even though we have him on record, uh, really condemning it. But we'll see where we stand. It's outrage across the country. I'm sure there'll be protests aplenty, so let's get to the big three.
3: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The truth is that we were too slow to grasp
5: what was really happening. And we collectively failed to impose the sanctions then that we should have put on Vladimir Putin. And we cannot make the same mistake Again.
4: Wow, can you imagine admitting you're wrong? That's what Boris Johnson did. United against Russia as they try and gain ground in Ukraine. The EU moved for a total Russian oil ban as well as natural gas. Uh, mysteriously, the Russians' offensive seems slow and tepid, yet barbaric. Number two.
0: Thanks to the president for everything for endorsing me. And I gotta say, a lot of the fake news media out there they wanted to write a story that this campaign would be the death. Of Donald Trump's America First agenda. Ladies and gentlemen, it
4: ain't the death of the American First agenda. Wow, uh, I could do without the fake media, uh, but uh, midterm mania has begun, and what a night for President Trump. All his hand picked candidates were victorious in Ohio and Indiana. The headline being the man you just heard from, J.D. Vance, wins in a walk. We're going to look at the Fox poll that says the country cares about go- what the country cares about going into this midterm.
1: Number one. My worry is that this is just the beginning. Next logo after gay
6: marriage. There are a lot of things now on the chopping block. Fundamental rights include interstate travel, include the idea of same-sex marriage.
7: What other cases have been decided based on these precedents that could now be in jeopardy?
0: Same-sex
9: marriage. Uh, believe me.
4: Oh, uh, unbelievable. Melting down over a draft. A draft which could be the end of Roe v. Wade, and a melting down in such an organized way you wonder how, uh, how much of this was actually preplanned? The answer might uh, land. We might get that answer as soon as we find out who the leaker was that leaked out uh, Justice Alito's uh, outline for what could be his decision uh, in uh, ending Roe v. Wade and putting the power back to the states. Mark Penn joins us now, chairman of the Harris Poll and chief executive of Stagwell, Inc. Mark, welcome back. What is your th- what changes now that Roe v. Wade could be going out the door
11: Well, we don't we don't really know exactly what changes. I mean, we think that that uh, that abortion is going to be one of the major issues that comes up in the midterms now based on what the final decision is in June. Uh, And, you know, in the last poll I did in December, uh, people wanted to keep Roe versus Wade by 54 to 46. So it's a country that's divided, but still more so than not. Uh, although, deeper in the question, the majority would have accepted just rolling back the number of weeks uh, from the current 23 to more like 20 or 15. And that, at that least so far, and we don't know, is in the direction this draft took.
4: Yeah, I mean, and as uh, the Chief Justice said, this doesn't mean it's our final decision. It is authentic. But now we're going to have a mobilized series of, we hope, peaceful protests around the country but we're not talking about inflation, we're not talking about crime, we're not talking about the border. Does that break to the Democrats' direction?
11: Well, it does obviously because I think Democrats favor uh favor keeping the decision, you know, overwhelmingly something like 70% of of Democrats and it can bring more intense turnout and certainly those suburban women voters who who were really angry at the Democrats over inflation could now balance inflation. Hmm, What's going to happen with uh, what's going to happen with abortion choice. So so I do think it's you got to say that this is in the mix here is something that's more favorable to the Democrats than the Republicans. Although I I think everybody's going to raise a lot of money and there will be even more intensity in this midterm turnout.
4: I can imagine Uh, Mark Penn with us. Mark, you do the Harris poll. Um, but we, we have our Fox poll, too, and it doesn't look too favorable about the approval rating for President uh, Biden, roughly what Trump was, about 42 percent. Well, like the Quinnipiac polls around 38. But where does he rate uh, approval on the coronavirus? 49 percent. Climate change, 40 percent. Russia, 39 percent. The last one is inflation at 28 percent. And if you ask people in almost every poll what they care most about, it's inflation, number one.
11: Uh, yep. My polls are very similar. I had, I think, 41% job approval at the Harris poll and 35% approval on inflation. I and mean, You're exactly right. The last thing you want is, ha- is to have the worst rating on the most important issue. And, and I think that's dragging down the administration. It's dragging down the Democrats and some of the polls. Actually, now when you ask who do you think would do a better job with inflation, Republicans rate significantly higher than Democrats. So you see a kind yeah. of Uh, You know, uh, a retrenchment against policies of tax and spend, wanting to go more to Republican fiscal and economic policies. That's something we haven't seen really quite some time, certainly not since the Trump administration.
4: Tell me what you think of this. Fox News did ask a question. Are you extremely or very concerned about the following? And the one people are concerned about, number one, as I mentioned, is inflation. Number two, the future of democracy. Number three, political divisions. Russia, uh, Russia, Ukraine, higher crime rates, what schools teach, gun laws, opiate addiction, illegal immigration, then abortion. Abortion is 11th. It shows 69% are concerned about it, but the 11th. So if you're Schumer and you're Biden, what do you do with those numbers?
11: Well, what you do is you try to move uh, abortion up from 11. Uh, You make it more salient. You make the as you as you heard the various clips. You say that uh, this decision doesn't just affect abortion, but uh, you know every single other right. Although the draft actually was very clear to say that it was not doing that. Uh, I think you're going to try to get it up from eleven to three or four and dislodge, you know, what is otherwise inflation, immigration, health care, uh, and crime as kind of the kind of the biggest issues and and some of the Ukraine. And obviously, that's what's going to happen. And uh, you know, I think I think the final ruling obviously will will make a big difference.
4: So, we're talking to Mark Penn now, Mark, let's talk about the midterms. Last night, we wanted everyone wants to find out Republicans and Democrats how much power Trump actually has. As JD Vance wins, and I think the other ten races, uh, the the president prevailed. His candidate won. What does that tell you? Even though it's just day one of the primaries.
11: Well, certainly, certainly, uh, President Trump. Does have a very strong base in the Republican party uh, most Republicans would want to run for president again, most of the people in the country uh not so much and uh and he he has been successful whether he picked the right horses or the or 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 the right horses associated with him i think he's he's off to a he's off to a pretty good role. I think he probably was responsible for the move of J.D. Vance, who really was behind in the polls until until he endorsed him. Uh, although J.D. Vance always struck me as, as, a, as a candidate, probably a potential who would do pretty well. So you'd say President Trump, you know, had a good night. What that means is he has a reservoir of strength within the Republican Party. Uh, but nationally, in a general election, it doesn't say anything about that because he's not doesn't have great numbers you know, outside of the Republican Party.
4: Right. Uh, so he has not been a, he's been he hasn't really done much over the past two years to win over independents, moderates, obviously moderate Democrats. You haven't seen any movement.
11: No. Uh, I, again, his numbers are, are kind of similar to uh, Biden's numbers. Neither of them own the center of the country. In fact, I had a question. Do you want uh, President Biden to run? Most people said no. Most Democrats said yes. I said, well, do you want President Trump to run again for president? Most people said no. Most Republicans said yes. I said, well, if those two are the candidates, then would you vote for one of them or an independent? And 58% said independent. So each one does very well with their base. Neither is doing well with that critical 20 percent in the middle.
4: Yeah, which is which is interesting because uh, Newt Gingrich had a line, you know, I think that he, uh, he, he, who's very close to the president, is trying to get to the president to stop thinking, looking back and looking forward. Um, and I think he said this last night, and I think it's a message that he's trying to relay to the president personally. Cut 27.
9: The truth is, uh, if Trump retains his hold on the base of the Republican Party that he currently has, And particularly if he starts shifting towards describing a better future, uh, I think that he will consolidate and almost certainly end up as the nominee. Tonight's a very big night in terms of 2024, as well as in terms of 2022. And it fits what we're seeing. Uh, The fact is inflation matters, uh, collapse at the border matters, crime matters, high prices for gasoline and food matters. Uh, and in the middle of all this, uh, the corruption of the of the Biden family matters, uh, and you know I think the Democrats are going to discover that the January Sixth Committee doesn't matter to most Americans, and they're going to discover that uh, a hardline pro-abortion extremism doesn't appeal to most Americans. Would you challenge any of that or all of it?
11: Uh, I think that the Republicans got a pretty good list of issues here uh the The problem is if somebody's talking about about the election in twenty twenty and losing but not well, winning and not losing and relitigating that election i you know Uh, The public is about themselves in the future. And and so none of those issues really get heard as long as President Trump is still mired in talking about 2020 any more than Hillary Clinton kept talking about 2016.
4: So something's developing, and it might just be the press trying to gin it up, but George W. Bush is going to help Brian Kemp. George W. Bush is helping raise money for Murkowski and Liz Cheney. All three of them are now arch enemy Republicans of Donald Trump. Is there a little bit of a Bush-Trump rivalry going on here now where Bush has famously wanted to stay out of it since he was done with the second term?
11: Mm, you know, not an expert on the Republican uh, internal workings as much, but it would it would seem uh, pretty much so that that Bush was a, a compassionate conservative and viewed himself as, as even though he's conservative, the more moderate wing of the Republican Party and, and and never evinced any like for, for Trump whatsoever. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if he's uh, if he's helping those people who aren't so much never Trumpers, but are but are outside the mainstream of the conservative Republican Party at this point.
4: All right, Mark, lastly, who should on the Democratic side, who would you uh, recommend my listeners keep an eye on? Uh, that's somebody that could emerge. I mean, who's who's the Democrats? Ron DeSantis, Tim Scott. Nikki Haley, Noam, who's the somebody uh, that you see with tremendous potential?
11: Well, first, let me let me just say on the Republican side, I do see DeSantis really getting stronger and stronger uh, and emerging as the, you know, if if Trump either runs and he runs against him or or Trump doesn't run, DeSantis clearly has put himself significantly ahead of everybody else on the Republican side. I think on the on the Democratic side, it's you know, will 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 Biden run, uh, and then if Biden doesn't run, Harris is the vice president. After all, Biden was the vice president. Walter Mondale, Hubert Humphrey. There is a tradition no, in boy. the Democratic Party that uh, that the vice president becomes the nominee, and I think you got to give her sixty, seventy percent. And Pete Buttigieg is the only other figure out there. So there's there's not really a, a strong bench at the moment. You know, for for a candidate compared to uh, uh, compared to the Republican bench, but neither party right now seems to be able to get past the two people that the the, the broad swing voters are uh, you know like least.
4: Gotcha, uh, Mark Penn. Exciting time. I appreciate you joining us. Thank you. Thanks so much. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. I'll be able to squeeze in some calls. Then Marsha Blackburn. Then a simulcast. Busy hour. Or you can write me, Brian Kilmeade. Uh, Just click on comments, and it'll go right to my email. Don't move.
3: Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian
10: Kilmeade. This is the leak heard around the country, around the world. And to tell you... That as a, you know, any clerk, when they start out, one of the first things they they find out very quickly is the, the sheer power that's in a draft opinion. And there's a lot that changes in those opinions. And for this to be leaked, there, there's certainly very few people that have access to these. And it is a very tight-knit group. The, the investigation should not be long. I think they can find the leak fairly quickly. And I hope that they're working feverishly to, to do so.
4: So the chief justice said yesterday, confirmed the authenticity of the document, then said they're going to hunt down the leaker. Uh, they directed the marshal of the court—I didn't know there was one—to launch an investigation to the source of the leak. And that uh, marshal is Colonel Gail Curley, whose appointment was announced May 3rd, 2021. As you know, before she took on the role, she will be, serve as the court's chief security officer, facilities administrator, contracting executive managing approximately 260 employees, including Supreme Court police force, which provides security for the justices. Colonel Curley will call the Supreme Court to order to, uh, to argument sessions, maintaining order and decorum during this time. I hope they have all the re- she has all the resources she needs. I mean, I hope she sees the urgency there because I do. Democrats don't. It doesn't work to their uh, to their interests to find out who it is. So that to me is a little disturbing. I would just say call the FBI. I mean, it sounds to me that this person is, is almost ceremonial, like the referee uh, in a wrestling match. Uh, that it, you know, it's already pre scripted. Kind of worries me. The New York Post editorial board uh, said this. Uh, After that decision was authenticated, the legal likely hope to somehow influence, this is the motivation, the final decision. But the positions of at least five justices seem rock solid. In short, the Supreme's tossing of uh, Roe. And Casey will only make abortion law the subject of normal politics so that anyone looking to change it will first have to convince a solid majority of their fellow citizens. And they will require a lot more than dirty tricks like handling confidential documents uh, to your buddies in the media, which they say this is one of the great gets uh, in modern journalism. Pentagon Papers. Okay, fine. But because you do that, uh, there were all types of protests in San Francisco, New York, Chicago, Atlanta, Houston, Salt Lake City, Los Angeles, uh, even in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, uh, there were all types of protests. I imagine more will be coming today. Uh, Kevin McCarthy is firm. He said, yesterday's unprecedented leak is an attempt to severely damage the Supreme Court. This clearly has coordinated campaign to intimidate and obstruct the justices of the United States. and independence in our political system from upholding the Constitution uh, must immediately be investigated by the court. Yeah. I hope this marshals up to it. Uh, to me, that's that's uh, going to be key, uh, because I'm not sure so far that I've seen it in the job description. Uh, John Yu was on last night on with Shannon, Cut 21.
9: Abortion has politicized the court and the Constitution, and this very leak is the kind of political tactics we're starting to see more and more used to try to influence the court's decisions. I think in the short term, that's what someone did here. They tried to leak this early before the decision became final so that people in the political system could try to pressure one of the justices to change their minds. I hope that doesn't work because that will mean that the court will become more of a political institution and not really be there to stand up for the rights of minorities and for the Bill of Rights when they really need to.
4: Yeah, and then Eric Swalwell continues to explain on uh, expand on this, as does so many. Goodbye, same-sex marriage. Goodbye, interracial marriage, which prompted Wesley Hunt, a black uh, Republican, to say, Hey, Eric, my name is Wesley Hunt. I'm a Republican nominee in a, con- in a congressional district of 70% white. I'm black. I'm in an inter- interracial marriage, and my wife and I have two biracial kids. Republicans are celebrating diversity, while liberals like yourself race bait. Byron Donalds, you are such a fool. I 100% agree. Focus on the issue.
3: Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show.
0: Now, this campaign, I really think, was a referendum on what kind of a Republican party we want and what kind of a country we want. We went to battle. Do we want a Republican Party that stands for the donors who write checks to the Club for Growth? Or do we want a Republican Party for the people right here in Ohio? Ladies and gentlemen, we just answered the question.
4: Uh, That is a very pumped up J.D. Vance with some uh, yellow notes in his hand. He had a, a victory speech to give because he won by nine points. And he really catapulted himself to the top spot after Donald Trump endorsed him. Peter Thiel supported him. He got about $16 million from Peter Thiel. Overall, the number one, the highest spending for any Senate seat or any congressional seat in the history of Ohio. With me right now is Senator Marsha Blackburn. Senator, we talked before the results in Ohio last night on television. What do you think now about Donald Trump and the power he still wields?
8: what we know is that President Trump had a great day at the polls yesterday. And you saw this in the results that came through. And Brian, you can look at J.D.'s campaign, which has been an incredible race and the way he has really taken this to the grassroots. He worked uh, with small meetings, in-person meetings, letting people see him, hear him, uh, spoke about what he believed, and he won this race. Race. Good job for him,
4: yeah, and the President overall, I think supported nine, ten candidates. They all prevailed, uh yes. including one uh former staffer so what does that what does that uh tell you about Ohio in particular? I mean, for the longest time we heard Florida and Ohio will decide the next president now, both seem firmly red.
8: Uh, you're right about that, and what it says to me is that the American people are looking for authentic candidates. Uh, They're very focused on people just telling them the truth. Just give them the facts. And I I think people are very unsettled by what they see in the mainstream media where you have opinion journalism. You don't have reporting. You have opinions that are filling the papers and filling airtime at these uh, mainstream media outlets. And Brian, people just... I hear it every single day when I'm talking to Tennesseans, when I'm out and about. Just give us the truth. Let us know how bad it is. Let us know what is taking place. Uh, Don't give us spin.
4: Right. So I was looking at Mark Penn did this poll and talked about the attitude of the American voter. According to the Harris poll conducted April 21st, many Americans under 60 have relatively little experience with anything but comparatively low uh, fuel costs negligible interest rates, and stable prices. That's been the case over the last maybe 25 years. Overnight, all that stuff's been shaken to the core. Only 35% approve of President Biden's handling of inflation, even lower on the Fox News polls, 28%. So when these gas prices are now sometimes $7, inflation is at 8.5%, wages are going up about 5%. What do you say to people listening to us right now who are seeing this for the first time that weren't around the 70s and 80s?
8: What we are seeing right now is about $5,000 a year coming out of people's pocket to pay for this Biden economy. And it just shows you that who governs and who is in charge matters because under Biden, they have increased regulation. You've got taxes that are going up. They're trying to undo the Trump tax cuts. You have inflation at a 40-year High, when you talk about 8% inflation, it's even higher when you go to the grocery store and you're looking at the cost of milk and eggs and bacon and coffee and bread. And you see that the price of produce is through the roof. And you know it's going to get even higher, Brian, because we're hearing from our farmers when it comes to fertilizer and pesticides and things they need to get crops in the ground they are already seeing an escalation rate. So, therefore, the produce that comes in this fall is going to cost even more.
4: Wow, very interesting. So we know uh, 48 hours ago this uh, this draft leaked. They said Roe v. Wade will be overturned in June if it stays, even though the chief justice said it's authentic, but it doesn't mean the votes are cast or we're done. That was just a draft. But among the things that Justice Alito said is uh, we hold – uh, it says it is time to heed the Constitution and return the issue of abortion to the people's elected representatives, meaning the states. The permissibility of abortion and the uh, limitations upon it are to be resolved, like most important questions in our democracy, by citizens trying to persuade one another and then voting. That is not how it was interpreted. Listen to how uh, the rest of the media played this news. Cut four.
1: My worry is that this is just the beginning. Next, they'll go after gay marriage, and, and maybe maybe uh, uh, the board, the what is it, Brown versus Board of Education? Yeah. They already eroded our voting rights a little yeah. bit. Yeah.
6: So I see some, I see fascism down the line here. There are a lot of things now on the chopping block. Fundamental rights include interstate travel, include the idea of same-sex marriage, include same-sex relationships, just to name a few. Now this is essentially gone. What's next?
1: In the event that we had a Republican president in 2024, um, that's where we'd be. We'd be at a, you know, South America-style
7: nationwide abortion ban in America. What other cases have been decided based on these precedents that could now be in jeopardy?
4: Same-sex marriage. That was Jeffrey in the last one. That's just not true. If you read it, he said, this is this opinion, then that's it, Senator Blackburn.
8: Well, you're you're right about that, Brian. But, of course, what did they immediately do? They didn't talk about the leaker or the integrity of the court or the betrayal of trust. They began to politicize the issue. It's as if they had advance warning, and they were prepared for a rally with signs. They were... Out there on the plaza in front of the Supreme Court, immediately, they you had demand justice immediately raising money off of this. It is as if they knew this was coming, but they weren't concerned about the leak or they never said anything about that. They continued to make it sound as if abortion was going to be banned, which is not true. What it does is to return it to the state for the separate states to decide for themselves how they want to address the issue. But the left does not want to talk about what actually was in the draft. And, of course, it's not a final opinion. An opinion has not been issued. An opinion has not been written. And they are not focusing on the betrayal right. of trust of the court.
4: Yeah, I just, uh, when we find the person, it's going to tell a lot. So now I understand the Chief Justice has given the marshal, the court marshal, uh, Colonel Gail A. Curley. She's gonna, she was appointed yesterday to go ahead and investigate this. What do we know about the court marshal?
8: What we know is that the Supreme Court has a security um a group that is there for them. It is like their own force. And uh, my understanding is it's a few hundred people that are in this. They tend to the security of the court and the justices and oversee issues uh, of integrity that that may arise. So they will conduct their investigation. We want to make certain that everything they need that they have. We do know that the court is very careful in how documents are distributed. We know that there are certain markings for every printer uh, at the court. So they're going to be able to hone in very quickly as to who printed and distributed or printed and scanned this document and sent it forward. But um,
4: Do you know if they have an investigative arm?
8: Uh, this is handled by the marshals, and then if they need additional help, they would reach outside of that. But my understanding is it is all handled internally by the marshals to the court.
4: All right. I would I, I still know, I I guess I don't know exactly why they wouldn't call the FBI in for something like this.
8: I, I think first thing they have to do is establish uh, the investigation and decide exactly what it is that they are going to need, and then resources that they need that are outside the marshal system for the court, they would be allowed to pull those resources forward.
4: All right. uh, Senator Blackburn, uh, thanks so much. Appreciate it.
8: You got it. Take care. All right.
4: Senator Marshall Blackburn, weighing in. Uh, listen, everybody was uh, knocked off their axis when this came out. But for those people who watch the Supreme Court, like the Shannon Breams of the world for their job or for their passion, they say the oral arguments made it clear because they, they uh, aired a lot of it, that this is where this whole decision was heading. And they draw it up. They type it up in February. And then here we are in May and, we, and, we, and it hits the fan and it gets out there. Now, if it comes out in June kind of deflated after that. We kind of expected it coming. They're going to look to codify this into law. All right, good luck with that. You don't even have 50 votes. Manchin says he's not going to do that. You're not going to blow up the filibuster to do it, so you're not going to get 60 votes. Well, you could have a vote and see where everyone stands, but we kind of know where everyone stands right now. So I wish people would just stop yelling and trying to and just make things up in order to get people excited. Hey, when we come back, we'll do a simulcast on the number one show on FBN, Stuart Varney Show listening to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't forget, I'll be on uh, hosting for Jesse tonight and Saturday at 8 o'clock, One Nation.
3: Now, the Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney & Company with Stuart Varney, live on your radio and on Fox Business. Here's Brian Kilmeade.
4: Hey, welcome back. I'm going to be on with Stuart Varney shortly on FBN. Uh, I hope you guys... Uh, normally I take off my jacket and look like I'm, um, I'm breaking the story, but I've got to stay dressed up because I've got to stay dressed up until about 7 o'clock anyway tonight. And then I'll be able to squeeze in some calls right after, one 408 7669 So we'll find out what's going on with FBN. Stuart Varney's in the middle of economics, but he loves to segue into the real world and political world. So we'll do just that and talk about the big three stories. So let's listen in together. Here's Stewart.
15: Here we go. It is 1051. You know what that means? It means Brian Kilmeade joins us. All right, Brian. Dave Chappelle attacked last night at the Hollywood Bowl. The attacker was armed with a replica gun and a knife. He was just arrested and charged with assault. What do you do if you're now running a comedy club someplace? Have you got to have security guards everywhere?
4: I mean, look at this. The Hollywood Bowl with the biggest yeah. comedians in the world. I mean, yeah. in America, John Stewart, Leslie Jones from SNL. You have Jamie Foxx and you have... Dave Chappelle. I mean, he's the guy. It's Dave Chappelle and Friends. But there's some controversy there because of some comments he made in a special uh, yeah. called The Closer about, uh, about transsexuals. Uh, and it's not offensive. Uh, it doesn't seem offensive. It seems like he's just having fun. He's not looking to offend anyone. They went through this. Some Netflix employees walked out. But now, ever since we watched Will Smith go up and slap Chris Rock, we always wonder, how are you going to do it in a smaller venue? If you can do it at the Oscars, now you can do it at the Hollywood Bowl. To your original question, what about yeah. chuckles in the middle of in the middle of Iowa? You know, what yeah. about the Laugh Factory in
15: Los Angeles? I mean, yeah. what kind of what kind of security that sit in front about, of you? What, what about the whole idea of making jokes? I mean, sometimes you know, a, a joke can be a little bit hurtful, but it's a joke. Can we make jokes any longer?
4: No. Well, no, you have to, and you got to forge your way through. And I'll tell you, Dave Chappelle says, you know, he went back out. He was kidding around about it, and. Uh, Chris Rock came out and said, I think that was Will Smith. I'm not sure. So they made some fun of it. But if you watch the video and knowing that there's a strong report that the guy was armed with a fake gun that converts to a knife. So he was uh, evidently a broken arm, broken shoulder. It looks like he was put on a gurney at the end. Something happened in between him jumping on the stage. Knocking Dave, Shave, uh, Dave Chappelle down backwards, he got back up, he runs to the back of the stage, and then he kind of disappears. What they did, uh, Stewart, is they took everyone's phone away because so many comedians get their act stolen because yep. they sit there, someone sits there and tapes the whole thing. They go to do a special, and people say, well, you know, I've heard this stuff already. They yep. post on social media. So they don't have nearly as much video as you normally would have, but you have one from the balcony shooting down, and you really get to see how perilous it was. You see him hop up on the stage. Uh, go ahead and put off the tackle.
15: Just a shock to see that kind of thing all over again. One more for you. J.D. Vance won big in the Ohio Republican primary. What does that tell you about the value of a Trump endorsement for November? Especially
4: in Ohio. So, listen, it was a great start. I think he won every single race he put in for. That was the biggest one, because he went for J.D. Vance when he was third. And it was, I guess, four or five points separated him. But I have had J.D. Vance on this show probably six times. Every time I look at the polls, he's about 11%, 15%. He said, don't worry, we're closing the gap. Peter Thiel came in with a lot of money, a lot of support. But if you look at him as a candidate, Stuart, um, he's pretty honest. He goes, listen, I was against Trump. I, I, never, I didn't know where this guy was coming from. Now I'm, I was for him. But if you look at him from a rural background, becomes an Ivy League graduate, goes and serves uh, in, in Iraq, comes back, becomes a venture capitalist right up your alley. He starts That's investing fine. money. He makes it and says, instead <laughs> of staying rich and being isolated, living off my, my book sales and my movie, I'm going to yep. go
15: run. And the Trump endorsement brought out over a million Republican voters in Ohio alone, more than double the number of Democrats who showed up for the primary there. Got to go, Brian. Sorry, but thanks for being with us today. We'll go get him, Stuart.
4: Thank you. It. Uh one eight six six four oh eight seven six six nine. I'll bring you that. So now if you look at President Trump, he's gotta feel great today. And but I mean again keep in mind, these guys didn't win, they just won the nomination. But he has uh really put it out for Liz Cheney and he's put it out for Brian Kemp. I don't think anyone's touching Kemp. Kemp has got to beat Stacey Abrams, and any clear thinking Republican knows uh that you do not want to give fuel to Stacey Abrams. He's got a lot of talent, certainly very organized, and um uh uh, policies that would absolutely destroy Georgia and socialize the whole situation. But no one doubts her intellect and her background. If Brian Kemp can beat Stacey Abrams, he would marginalize her. If he doesn't, uh, if he doesn't beat and Stacey Abrams, beat her. And if Stacey Abrams does become governor, she becomes a front runner to be president if Joe Biden can't go on with that. So I think Brian Kemp is uh, enemy number one of the president, but he shouldn't he shouldn't be. He didn't like the way, obviously, uh, govern, the governor didn't. The president didn't like the way the governor handled the post-election stuff, but they didn't see any problem with the election. The, the Secretary of State, the president's also targeting him. Liz Cheney's being primaried in Wyoming, where, for the most part, the Cheneys walk on water. And nobody doubts Liz Cheney's conservative bona fides, but I think she's been way too aggressive on the January uh, 6th pile, January, January 8th. Um, the January 6th, excuse me. I think she was way too aggressive on that, and I think she's become a darling of the left, and that's not going to help her in Wyoming, which is as red as it gets. So those are some of the things the president's going to be people talking about. Believe me, everybody wants to write the story of Donald Trump has lost his power. It's going to be May 23rd when she's going to be really tested again, and then we'll find out how much power Donald Trump still has. But still, I mean, he's already shown that he can be a kingmaker. I'm wondering if he's content with that. If he's content like Andrew Jackson was after he served two terms in the White House, he became a kingmaker from the Hermitage over in in Tennessee. I'm not sure the president will be – the former president will be happy about that. Here's Kellyanne Conway, cut 25.
2: Look, I think you called the Trump bump. J.D. Vance was at about 11 or 12 percent a month ago. He went up 12, 13 points in one month. He won tonight decisively. A couple of his opponents have endorsed him already. And I think the president ran the tables in Ohio because Ohioans see that inflation, immigration, border security, what's going on in Ukraine, gas pump, grocery store, everything that is vexing and perplexing them, they fear is at the seat of, as at the hands of people like Tim Ryan, the Democratic nominee now up against J.D. Vance, a total phony, really a mini Joe Biden next generation, mini Loch Ness Monster. Mm -hmm. He's been in Washington 20 years, completely unremarkable. He's already lost one race for president. Sound familiar?
4: Yeah, uh, that was Tim Ryan. He did not get out of the box. He was known as a moderate, uh, but for the most part, he's come off very angry of late, but now he's running an American First campaign. You believe that? America First on the Democratic side. Not really. I can't really buy that. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. I want you to keep it here. Don't forget to watch 7 o'clock tonight and uh, the Brian Kilmeade uh, show. Keep it here.
3: From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade.
4: Man, I'm pumped up for this hour. Thanks so much for listening. Coming to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan. Heard around the country, heard around the world, especially the Ukraine. Speaking of Ukraine, I'll talk to H.R. McMaster in a matter of moments about the mysterious way in which the Russians are going about their fight in the East and possibly the South. And that is tepid, as brutal and barbaric as they fight because they have no skills. Uh, and they don't really have precision weapons reportedly yet, yeah, it's still bombing randomly and killing innocent people. They have not been that aggressive. Why? I'm going to talk to H.R. McMaster about that. Aggressive in trying to take back that region in a Blitzkrieg-type style. That's what I mean. Bill Hammer, fresh off his coverage of the primaries last night, will be with me in studio. So let's get to the big three.
3: Now, with the stories you need to know. It's Brian's Big 3, sponsored by Lifefact. Save a life in a choking emergency. Visit lifefact.net to learn more and use code BK10 to save 10%. Number 3. The
5: truth is that we were too slow to grasp what was really happening, and we collectively failed to impose the sanctions then that we should have put on Vladimir Putin. And we cannot make the same mistake again.
4: Boris Johnson being honest, saying they were wrong. United against Russia now, though, as they try and gain ground in the Ukraine. The EU now, stunningly, and I think it's great, uh, is moving now for a total Russia oil uh, ban within six months. And mysteriously, the Russian offensive seems, as I mentioned before, slow and tepid, yet barbaric. Number two.
0: Thanks to the president for everything, for endorsing me. And I got to say... A lot of the fake news media out there, they wanted to write a story that this campaign would be the death of Donald Trump's America First Agenda. Ladies and gentlemen, it ain't the death of the America First Agenda.
4: Uh, It isn't. Um, That is J.D. Vance. The midterm mania has begun. And what a night for President Trump. He won about 10 races. The headliner J.D. Vance comes from third to first, wins by nine points since the endorsement from Trump. What does it mean for the rest of the primaries? What does it mean for Dr. Oz? What does it mean for Governor Kemp?
1: Number one. My worry is that this is just the beginning. Next they'll go after gay marriage.
6: There are a lot of things now on the chopping block. Fundamental rights include interstate travel, include the idea of same-sex marriage.
7: What other cases have been decided based on these precedents that could
0: now be in jeopardy? Same-sex marriage.
4: Yeah, that is Jeffrey Toobin at the end, melting down over a draft. A draft of the end of Roe v. Wade, melting down in such an organized way, you wonder how much of this is all uh, pre-planned, And that's what I'm talking about. Did you see some of these riots and protests yesterday that got out of control in Los Angeles, it seems? Hey, I have an idea. I'm upset about a Supreme Court decision. Let me throw a rock at a cop. That's what they're doing in California. It's just a joke, and I'm sure they've done it elsewhere. You don't blame the people who are sitting there trying to keep law and order and maybe save your life by hitting them in the head with rocks. So that's what—that's uh, really what gets you arrested. that uh, That's the truth of it. So the other places, San Francisco, New York, uh, there were big protests there. Uh, the other place was um, Chicago, Atlanta, Houston, Salt Lake City. I mentioned L.A. already. Uh, they all had Louisville, Kentucky. They all had somewhat... Uh, They wanted to display and protest that Roe v. Wade could be going by the boards. Keep in mind, it doesn't ban abortion. It'll leave it up to the states. You want your state to have uh, abortion rights uh, at six weeks, at 15 weeks, go put somebody in there that's going to reflect your views. Well, some Republicans were not happy. Susan Collins is one. uh, If this leaked draft opinion is final and the reporting is accurate, it would be complete uh, inconsistent with what Justice Gorsuch and Justice Kavanaugh said In their uh, hearings and in my office, uh, Murkowski said, Senator Collins and I in February introduced a bill that would codify Roe v. Wade. I thought it made sense, and I think it makes even more sense now. So that was the Republicans. The other Republicans are saying, calm down, sit down, relax. Here's Jen Psaki, who says, I'm not calling for a filibuster, but I am calling for something revolving around the election. Cut three
1: to reiterate what
2: he said in this statement, he said if the court does overturn Roe, it will fall on our nation's elected officials at all levels of government to protect a woman's right to choose, to do exactly that. It will fall on voters to elect pro-choice officials this November. At the federal level, we will need more pro-choice senators and a pro-choice majority in the House to adopt legislation. And that was speaking to exactly where we are with the votes.
4: Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how those votes go. But I know Schumer walked away from demanding the filibuster. Now it looks like Saki had a chance to demand, uh, not demand the filibuster. She did not. She knows she's not going to get it. But Bernie Sanders immediately tweeted out and looked like a pre uh tweet that came out on Tuesday at 845 when this word leaked that Politico had this story and the documents to back it up. Well, it turns out the Democrats seemed remarkably poised and ready to act. In fact, they had pre-printed signs and they were marching at – In front of the Supreme Court, please. So why are they doing this? Why, in my view? Because they don't want to talk about anything else. Here's Carl Rove last night with me on Primetime. Cut seven.
9: I don't blame him. If you're if you're a Democrat and people are concerned about inflation and they think the government's spending too much and they're upset with the attitude towards COVID policies and they're worried about the immigration and the southern border and they're worried about rising crime and Democrats being soft on it and wanting to defund the police, you want to talk about anything but that. So, of course, Schumer is going to say this.
4: Yeah, I know. Uh, that is Mark—that uh, is uh, Karl Rove uh, talking about the political side of this. Are they going to be able to play it up? Now, if this happened in September for a November midterm, I could see it. The thing that makes me feel as though it wasn't necessarily choreographed was, why are you doing it in April? Excuse me, May. Why? I mean, the primaries? I don't know. To help Tim Ryan? It doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, it's not Stacey Abrams against Brian Kemp. Brian Kemp's got to win his primary. So I'm not sure. Do you want a six-month lead time for it? And you were going to get this bump in June anyway When the so if everything went true to form and and they had got ahead and wrote this opinion. You're going to get that lead right to the 4th of July a weekend. But now you took some of the surprise out of it. Okay, all of the surprise out of it. But if you want to feel bad for Joe Biden, listen to what he's got to deal with. This is Congresswoman Jayapal, cut nine.
6: These justices are acting like... This is somehow something that they have the right to change. They do not have the right to change this. We cannot accept it. I don't think people across this country are going to accept it.
4: They don't have the right to make an opinion because it's not popular? That doesn't make any sense, does it? Pushing back the president of live action this morning, uh, with, uh, last night with Tucker, Lila Rose, Cut 12.
2: There's a massive meltdown happening right now from the pro-abortion side because they can't force abortion on all of America. They can't force abortion for all 9 months on children for any reason on all 50 states. That's what this is about. It's a massive tantrum that's being thrown by the extreme pro-abortion left, but you know, it's not it doesn't reflect most of America. You know, we have 22 states that have almost complete abortion bans in this country that want those to go into effect that want to protect children in their state. Children, no matter the fact that they're unborn, they want them to be protected. So it's really amazing to watch this moment unfold. And in the pro-life movement, we're, we're thrilled. It's a step forward and we're just getting started.
4: All right. Thanks so much. So listen, when we come back, I want to talk to H.R. McMaster. I want to get this real sense to the battlefield. We're sending $33 billion over there. I'd like to know if our weapons and our aid is getting there. Dropping in Poland doesn't work. Also, what the Russians are up to and the truth that H.R. hears about Vladimir Putin having cancer and needing surgery. Then we're going to come back and talk about Donald Trump's monster night uh, because the people he backed, probably his biggest night since the day before the election when he thought he was going to win four more years. You listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move.
3: Expanding your knowledge base. It's The Brian Kilmeade Show. Breaking news. Unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. The United Nations together
8: with the International Red Cross are doing this to help the evacuation of our people. However, I told them that
10: Russia wishes to destroy everybody who is uh,
1: still in the uh, Azov-style steel plant.
4: Uh, that is uh, President Zelensky's translator talking to Griff Jenkins on Fox News about an hour ago. Let's bring in H.R. Uh, McMaster, uh, a historian, retired U.S. Army Lieutenant uh, General and former National Security Advisor to President Trump and author of the book Battlegrounds, the Fight to Defend the Free World. Here we are, General. Uh, we're, we're about 70 days in. Uh, right now, I'm seeing the New York Times report that the Pentagon is saying that they're surprised that the Russian offensive in the east – is so, their words, tepid. Are you, and would you describe it that way?
7: No, I'm not, I'm not surprised at all, because this is an inept military, Brian, you know, and, and we've seen it with the, with the initial offensive. You know, all, of the, all of the less tangible elements of combat prowess, your ability to fight, uh, the, they're, they're deficient in. Right? They don't have unit cohesion. They're not well-trained they're not disciplined. They haven't maintained their equipment. They can't do basic logistics functions. They can't integrate all arms into the fight in close combat. And that's mobile protected firepower. You should you know by tanks and and infantry and 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 firepower. So the and and now we've also seen how capable the Ukrainians are. The tremendous will, you know, you mentioned the you know the situation in Mariupol and the, and the steelworks. I mean, it's 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 a uh, it's astounding, and it's we ought to all acknowledge and praise the Ukrainians uh, for their resolve and 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 their grit and determination. And we don't see that on the Russian side. You know, Napoleon said the moral is to the physical as three to one, and 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 uh, and you're seeing the Ukrainians come out on top uh, in terms of the in terms of their morale and and will to fight.
4: And you know, Napoleon, as you know, invaded Russia, and Russia did the old scorched earth. And the winter came, and yep, they were out. Right. Well, now they're the invaders instead of being invaded. So they've lost. Uh, they've lost the thing they did best, and that's to destroy their own stuff. They just want to destroy the Ukraine. What do how? What do you think is going on behind closed doors between Putin and his military leaders?
7: You know, it's it, it's hard. It's hard. To, it's hard to say. I I, inter, I interviewed or had a, had a discussion with. Vladimir Milov, who's one of the you know, one of the most prominent Russian opposition politicians who's still alive or not in jail, he's in, in exile in, in one of the Baltic states now, and you know he described the inner circle around Putin as those who were kind of with him at Saint Petersburg. You know the old security service people from the old Soviet Union who he brought with him when he took power in the year 2000. And so his read is that the people around him aren't going to do a palace coup because they're all going to go down with him. If Putin goes down. They go down, and then he said the oligarchs don't really have that much power because Putin made them. I mean, these aren't savvy businessmen. I mean, they were handed state-owned enterprises, you know, by, by by Vladimir Putin, and an opportunity for for corruption. And of course, he's created this whole patronage network, you know, through these, you know, through the people around him. You know, a lot of the people around him, like Patrushev, who was my counterpart, who I met with. Uh, when I was National Security Advisor, you know, he, you know, his son is a, is a vice minister in a different department. It's all a dirty, corrupt right. network. And it extends internationally. And you're starting to see more sanctions against these individuals. You know, the, you know, the, 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 there's a cellist, Brian, who is worth $2 billion, and because he's holding it for Vladimir Putin, who's estimated to be worth $200 billion, right? So so I, it is a corrupt network. They've, they've established a patronage network that helps keep Putin in power, and of course, what else else keeps him in power is his grip uh on the news media and, and mm. information flows, and that's why I'll tell you, Brian. It, I think I think the most important thing we could do is poke holes in in his like little firewall and get the get the Russian people alternative sources of information. And I think your profession, journalists, man, I mean, they're coming out on top in this thing. I mean, I. I mean, I, I am so proud of the international journalists who are taking risks yep. in Ukraine, getting us the story, preventing Putin from doing his disinformation, uh, and 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 uh, you know and 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 reducing our will to help Ukrainians and help them see this through.
4: So right now, this is what the Pentagon's saying. At the same time, analysts and officials they they notice the brutality in which they're trying to kill everybody in Mariupol, trying to level cities. Uh, they also got three ships blown up uh, right by Snake Island. He said, this is the quote, right. analysts and officials are quietly beginning to question why Russian troops appear to be acting with restraint rather than engaging in the all-out offensive to their battle for eastern Ukraine. Uh, they just described the Russians' fight there as very cautious and very tepid. At the same time, they take Kyrgyz they're putting their flag up, they're saying, use the ruble, b- yeah. building up, uh, basically taking it. And doing the same thing in Mariupol and maybe a couple of other cities beginning to take it at any cost.
7: All right. Well, you know, it doesn't take a lot of military skill just to rubble cities. Right. And that's what you're seeing in Mariupol. But, you know, you mentioned you know, a military historian. Hey, Mariupol looks like it looks like Russia's. Stalingrad, like, but in reverse this time, right? I mean, remember that was where the you know the the Nazi offensive against Russia culminated, right? Both both Napoleon and Hitler looked at the map of Russia, but forgot to look at the scale on the map. Right? And I think I'm telling you, I, I think uh, you know, I think Russia made the same mistake now in in reverse. And what you're seeing is that determination to hold onto those steelworks. The Russians have been impaling themselves on it. And hey. Brian, the reason why they're being tepid in the attack is because they're getting their asses kicked. I mean, the the numbers of armored vehicles they've lost, I think the conservative number that most people agree on now in terms of Russian killed in action is 15,000, right? A rule of thumb is, you know, that you have three wounded for every killed in action. You know, that's 45,000 more, you know, and and Putin's still trying to paper this over. He's still calling it a special military operation so what he needs to do by raising those flags by declaring some victory is to get something to 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 lie to the Russian people to make it look like they're being victorious and he wants to do this before May 9th right which is the May Day celebrations in Russia and it'll be important to listen to what Putin says does he mobilize after this does he double down or does he try to just say okay enough is enough because, you know, if you think their active army is bad, which they are, these are one-year conscripts, Brian. I mean, by the time you train up a soldier, integrate a soldier into an infantry platoon or a tank platoon, I mean, a year's up, and they're rotating out. So they don't have unit cohesion. They don't have that fighting power. They don't have what comes from inside soldiers and inside units yeah. that are trust each other, that are confident in each other. So, hey, Brian, I think May ninth is something to watch. Uh, and what is his message? What does he say? What does he telegraph? in terms of where it goes from here. But I think what's going to happen is this offensive will fail, and the Ukrainians will start building up power for a counteroffensive. I think that's what right. we're looking at. So, General, did, is it
4: possible – do know. you think it's possible to push him out of the Donbass? Is that what victory looks like? I'm, I know it's not up to us to decide when peace right. is, but we seem to be flooding right. more. Uh, we have more of an intent now from the rest of the world. I also was heartened to see the EU is starting within six months to stop buying all oil and gas, demanding all their nations – do the same.
7: Yeah, I, I think you know I think the key is bolster our will now. You know, Hungary's being a you know pain pain in the neck here in, in terms of uh because you know, Orban's in Putin's pocket. But I but I think if you know we need to maintain our will. We need to shut down his ATM that that funds his war making machine, and that's the hydrocarbons that, that you mentioned. We need to help the, the ukrainians with logistics right we it's great that we're giving the weapons they need now but we need to help them get the weapons forward i would like to see us advising them on logistics on 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 uh integrating some of these new capabilities you know he help out a humanitarian corridor maritime corridor to odessa right to challenge russia's effort to try to make the black sea you know a russian lake you see they're failing in that already and you mentioned you know the the, the destruction of the three ships there but they also lost their flagship in the black sea fleet so You know, I I think we need to be doing all we can now, Brian. And, you know, people keep talking about, like, should we give Putin an off-ramp? Hey, man, close the off-ramps, right? Because there's no off-ramp for him. He just looks for the next on-ramp. Help him drive into the brick wall that he's headed for.
4: Uh, H.R. McMaster, General, thanks so much. Hey, thanks, Brian. Great to be with you. Yeah, same here. Uh, Hopefully you have better news next time we talk.
3: is three hours in radio. You're with Brian
12: Kilmeade. We had a debate about uh, Griswold versus Connecticut. There'd been a law saying a married couple could not purchase birth control in the privacy of their own bedroom and use it. Well, that got struck down. Griswold was thought to be a bad decision by Bork, and uh, My guess is the guy's on the Supreme Court now. What happens if you have a state change the law saying that 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 children who are LGBTQ can't be in classrooms with other children, is that is that legit under the way that the decision is written? What are the next things that are going to be attacked? Because this MAGA crowd is really the most extreme political ex- organization that's existed in American history.
4: Uh, wow, that's uh, that's saying a lot. So uh, I didn't know that you can buy uh, contraceptive devices in your own bedroom. So that's kind of interesting. <laughs> But um, do you really think they're going to come for contraceptives, Nick? Uh, it's, uh, Bill it's, Hemmer's here, by the way. How are you doing, Brian? Uh, it's kind
14: of like you got to do a fact check on all this before you right. can start yeah. talking about <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, the, the court case he mentioned might be accurate, but I'm not sure until I go look into it myself. Yeah, the Griswold case? Um, you know, I tell you, um, I, look, if the decision is written as reported yesterday, I think we all need to take a deep breath and just think about what Alito is trying to express. And then people can make up their own minds. I mean, it's 98 pages. Uh, Yeah, and from what I understand, a third of that is referencing other decisions that have been made by the court that many would consider in Supreme Court legal terms, consider to be overturning some sort of precedent in law. A third, Brian, that's substantial. So you're going to have to listen to Alito's argument. But what he's going to say is that, I think this is an amazing statement. May I? Yeah. This court cannot bring about the permanent resolution of a rancorous national controversy simply by dictating a settlement and telling the people to move on. All right? We do not pretend to know how our political system or how our society will respond to today's decision overruling Roe and Casey. Even if we could foresee what will happen, we would have no authority to let that knowledge influence our decision. Right, it shouldn't. Um, and he's challenging. Show me where it is in the text of the Constitution Alita. that Alito is saying this, where, where it says that uh, abortion rights should be protected. Another thing I did not know in 1973, Roe versus Wade, it was a 7 2 decision, of which five were Republican justices who voted with the majority. Five. Mm-hmm. I, that, that's substantial. That's huge, yeah. And I, what, what Alito going to argue, and I i would imagine what Republicans are going to say, is that this, this used to be your decision. The courts took it away from you. We're giving it back to you to decide.
4: State by state. State by state. And when you put your legislators in, that's your vote on this and everything else from taxes on down. And- You know, uh, there's a lot of people that don't want to live in New York. I don't know if you heard. They left to Florida, and people went to Texas from California, and that's what you will do. Uh, And some people are saying, well, I don't want to have to move because of this. I don't know. I mean, that's pretty much the way our system works. Mm -hmm. You want to pay higher taxes, New Jersey will be perfect for you. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, I I think,
14: you know, I use that phrase, marinate, let it marinate. I think we really need to do that. And uh, there's a chance – we we were supposed to get this toward the end of June, Brian. Some are suggesting it could come out sooner because of what has happened with the leak. Maybe that happens, but I don't know. Um, But there still will be a level of drama when the Supreme Court says on X day we're going to announce our decision on this case and we'll have a chance to read it all for ourselves then. I think in terms of the electorate, there is a substantial debate among politicos now as to whether or not this issue changes the dynamic for November. Maybe. But I tell you, inflation is something that I think about every day now. Right. And that's not going away. I, I, I don't think my mom's listening, unless she's got WABC radio on in New York.
4: Uh, right? You're on 770? Yeah, we are. Is, right? is she it. in New York? No. Well, we got W H I L WHIO. That's in, uh,
14: Dayton, Ohio. No. Uh, you CKY? K-R-C? What do you think? L-W? Uh, Where's where your mom with Cincinnati. So anyway, I, I ordered her flowers for Mother's Let's Day, right? look, We'll look it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You ordered flowers. Thanks. Okay. I, I do, you know, same florist, Brian. Every year for her birthday. <laughs> every year for Mother's Day. Yeah. It's like they should just, you know, it's like clockwork. And every year it's $109 delivered. Every single time. Mm-hmm. I ordered flowers this week. How much? Hundred fifty five, And I said, excuse me, can you read back my order? Did I I change something? She says, I am really sorry, but it's hard for us to get anything. She said, we can't even get carnations. All right, this is a little flower shop. They do a great job in southwestern Ohio. And this is the kind of thing and the kind of factor that people feel every day now. So back to you.
4: Well, I would say this. When they did in the the Fox News poll that we saw yesterday – they asked people, "What are they most concerned about?" And it was uh, abortion was eleventh.
14: Inflation was number one. I saw that. I just think it's too early to know. I, I, I think with all the talk about it now, the number is going to increase for, for various reasons. Some will support it. Some will be against it. But I think they used that poll was premature. It's kind of like the, the information's outdated. Uh, right. Uh, because now the now it's of now course. it's different. All okay. that polling was done before what we heard this week thirty six hours ago.
4: Right. Um, were you, are you concerned? You could say, are you concerned that it's going to be going away? Uh, let's talk about what happened with JD Vance. So he gets 32 uh, percent of the vote. Josh mm-hmm. Mandel, 23 percent of the vote. Going in, what was the separation between? Wow,
14: them? Th- this is really interesting. Got the numbers right here. We were on the billboard last night, late into the night. Here, um, we were doing polling in Ohio. Not a lot of people were. A lot of the, cam- a lot of the campaigns were, right. and giving you information that it proved a lot. I mean, to be largely inaccurate. So in March, we had J.D. Vance at 11 percent. I know. He was on here, too. In April, we had J.D. Vance at 23 percent. So that is after the Trump endorsement, and that is before the rally that Trump held on that Saturday in central Ohio, Delaware County. Right. And Vance turned in a big number, almost 33 percent of the vote. I mean, that is substantial. It is significant. It tells you one thing. Donald Trump matters in Ohio for sure. We'll see how much he matters elsewhere. Another point to be made here. In both of our polls, a quarter of the electorate, 25%, Brian, they were undecided. When I was breaking down these numbers last night, it appeared to me that all the undecideds went to one of three people and they all finished as front runners. Right? It was JD Vance, it was Josh yeah. Mendel, and it was uh, Matt Dolan from Cleveland, Ohio. That's where all the undecideds went.
4: But J.D. Vance got more of them than the rest. Yeah, no kidding. So the president's got to feel good about what he did. He also uh, had some other races that he was uh, put his hand on the scale with. And I think he, 10, he, he sorry, 10 or 11. He,
14: I was 12, actually. He, he weighed in on 12 in Ohio. One was the Senate race. There were 11 congressional races. He went 12
4: for 12. Right. Now... Here's his big test coming up. Dr. Oz is going to be huge in Pennsylvania, right? Dave McCormick has a lot of uh, Trump people on his staff. Kellyanne Conway, uh, Hope Hicks, uh, Dina Powell is a former staffer. Now they're married. Dave McCormick's got this great resume. And they've been battling it out. But Donald Trump went out on a limb and said, Dr. Oz is my guy. And also Don Jr. is also uh, heavily into that. Melania evidently told him, you got to go with Dr. Oz. So that'll be big. Liz Cheney's going to be big. She's being primaried. I think that is going to be substantial. I don't see how he's going to prevail. He's going to he's he's not going to get Brian Kemp out of uh, out of uh, Georgia. I would
14: agree with that. I think before the season began and we were talking about before we came on the air, when was the last time we paid attention to primaries like this? Never. Right. I mean, for Republicans and Democrats, there was a there was a progressive that ran in Cleveland, Ohio last night. Uh, she was trying to defeat Shanta Williams, I do believe is her name. I will look that up in a second here, uh, right in the, in the city of Cleveland, Ohio. She's lost to her twice. And at the 11th hour, AOC came in and endorsed Nina Turner. Nina Turner thought she could go over the top with this, and she lost worse than she did the last time <laughs> she ran. And then after the election last night, she said, I'm going to go for the White House next in 2024. So, right. Uh, right. But um, my point is that you should track the progressive movement just as carefully as you're tracking the Donald Trump endorsements. I think it's something to keep right. in mind. And 13 days from now in Pennsylvania. I don't know which way this race breaks, but I think what Trump did is that he looked at the, he looked at the cast of politicians. I almost said cast of characters, but I think sometimes that's the way he looks, he looks at it. Like, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Who are the characters? TV show. And I, I know J.D. Vance wanted his endorsement, but so did a lot of others. Um, and they all made the trip down to Florida. I think what Trump has did was he said, Who's got the best chance to look good on a statewide national level? Yeah. And I, I, I think today, and everybody said yesterday, Hey, Hammer, what do you think is going to happen in those races? I, I don't know. But if J.D. Vance wins, I guarantee you we'll sit here tomorrow and say, Well, that was obvious. Right. And elections have a way of just crystallizing the moment. Crystallizing the politician, crystallizing the character. Nobody right. today is saying JD Vance should not have won that that race. What they're saying is JD Vance against the Democratic Congressman Tim, Tim Ryan. Ryan is gonna be one hell of a race to watch in November.
4: Well Tim Ryan says it's gonna be an American first America first campaign. Really? That's original. Here's J. D. Vance, cut twenty three.
0: Now, this campaign, I really think, was a referendum on what kind of a Republican party we want and what kind of a country we want. We went to battle. Do we want a Republican party that stands for the donors who write checks to the Club for Growth, or do we want a Republican party for the people right here in Ohio? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we just answered the question.
4: Well, that, that's true. But the other thing to keep in mind, too, one race, while it's on top of my mind, I'm looking at Henry Cuellar's race. Mm Well, AOC ran in uh, in there too. Border district, Texas, Southwest. A moderate uh,
14: Democrat. Correct. Um, One of the only remaining pro-life Democrats
4: in Congress. Right. Who says the border's a problem for Hispanics too. Someone listen to me. Maybe they they know he's right. I don't know what they're going to listen to him. But, you know, he had the FBI investigation. Turns out they weren't even they said you're not a target of the investigation. So they had the runoff election. Mm -hmm. So even though Trump's not on the ballot there, but the, uh, for the country, I'm yeah. wondering if the Democrats understand that, you're, that the, the left-wing squad attitude might get you headlines, but it's not going to get you elections, yeah. especially in Texas.
14: Very interesting. You know, Quayar is in a runoff with a progressive by the name of Cisneros, and she just barely um, avoided uh, almost avoided a runoff because she was under 50 percent of the vote um, a month ago. Two months ago, right? End of February. Yes. A, a primary that was overshadowed by the war in Ukraine. That's why it's all coming back now. But even if Cuellar survives, he still may lose. You look, so at, it, to go you, the you look at the trend along right. that border. Now, if he doesn't win and the progressive defeats him, Republicans think that's a pickup. And what, what, what I think so for you— So Cuellar would be a tougher out for I, Republicans. Agreed. I think what— what the listeners need to think about is in districts that Joe Biden, a lot of Republicans in Washington will characterize it this way. In districts where Joe Biden won by 12 points, they believe are in play. Others push it out to 16 points. Why is that? Because they look at what happened in Virginia and in New Jersey last November. They, they might be right, but I'm. it's going to take a while to figure it out. Mm-hmm. But with this abortion decision— Democrats are going to argue that all, all, all that old math is null and void, which brings us yeah. to Pennsylvania. Right. Oz has been on your TV for how many years? Twenty, right? David McCormick has been on your TV for how many years? One. Zero. Yeah, yeah. Well, so we've only seen Trump him. looks at the cast of politicians, the cast of characters, and he fingers Ahmed, um, Mehmet. Mehmet Oz— to be the winner, because he's trying to see who looks best on a national level, right, and that's what he saw when J.D. Vance, and I think that's why he gave the endorsement to Oz right uh, a guy who's barely lived in Pennsylvania. if he can turn a trick like this right he's, he's a pretty good politician. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll
4: tell you what' pretty, pretty impressive his work rate i mean I, I've never seen a guy work harder. I mean, his guy is just grinding out, been to every single county, doing everything, uh, doing appearances without notes, very, very comfortable. I watch him do interviews. He's taking things on. I'm very impressed with a guy that doesn't have to work another day in his life, gave up a syndicated show mm-hmm. because well, he says the line is, and I believe him. He goes, I just want to get back. Yeah. I want to affect this. It, you know. It, it, and my feeling is it happened during the coronavirus because he was used to having people listen to him. All of a sudden, he says, you know, the hydroxychloroquine really has some positive elements. And he was on with us. Mm -hmm. And he got ripped. Right, He said, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? We used to collaborate. Doctor, he would talk to doctor. Now I'm getting ripped. I'm getting sidelined. I'm getting suspended. So I think that that got to him. He said, let me get into this.
14: Very interesting. From your show. Yeah. Anytime he came on your show at 8 o'clock during COVID, i turn up the volume. Right. And oftentimes you go 15, 20 minutes with him. I thought everything you said was compelling. Yeah. Everything you said was interesting. He, you, you just said that he's been to every county in Pennsylvania? Yeah. I, I didn't know that. Right. J.D. Vance did the same thing in Ohio, 88 counties. You know who else does that in, in Iowa? Chuck Grassley. Amazing. 99 counties. And I, I, I've i always thought that these politicians get the most attention. When they look like they care. Right. And for politicians to go to every county and publicize it, that makes a difference.
4: Absolutely. So listen, and by the way, you know who did the first one that did that to me? was Scott Brown. When he did that in Massachusetts, got in his pickup truck and drove around. He said, I'm going to go see everybody. He ended up having the upset ever, taking Tate Kennedy's seat. Uh, listen, Bill Herman's going to stick around, which is amazing because he was up late last night, just did his three-hour show. Uh, so back in a moment, Brian Kilmeade show to wrap up this hour.
3: Educating. Entertaining, enlightening, you're with Brian Kilmeade. The talk show that's getting you talking, you're with Brian Kilmeade.
12: The first time since 2016, the Treasury Department is planning to pay down the national debt issued to the public this quarter. And for all the talk the Republicans make about deficits, it didn't happen a single quarter under my predecessor. Not once. Once. The bottom line is the deficit went up every year under my predecessor before the pandemic and during the pandemic. And it's gone down both years since I've been here. Okay,
4: A couple of things. Uh, Joe yeah. Biden just made that announcement. Bill Hammer here. Bill, one of the reasons the deficit was up was because of the deficits come down so much because they put so much pandemic spending in it. Yeah. So if I if I give you 10 trillion dollars and I don't need it the next year, it looks like I cut the deficit by a lot more. I mean, it's fuzzy math. Yeah, I mean, no question. I mean, you can't look at it for the last few years. Uh, I'll, I'll, no one really looks at the uh, the economy right now and th- hears anything uh, Joe Biden said. No.
14: I think a lot of it's built on sand. I felt that way for about two years now. Nobody really knows what's beneath the surface. I think that's proven by the stock market today. Um, I think some of these other issues are confounding people, just trying to understand it uh, in terms of direction. And inflation's a part of that couple um, of things before we go. Wages? Brian, where are the workers? There's 11, <laughs> 11 million jobs are open. If you want to work in America today, you can find a job. Anywhere. Period. Yeah, right. A couple of things.
4: Dave Chappelle. I yeah. mean, it's unbelievable that a Netflix special at the Hollywood Bowl, would that have security? Iconic place. Do you believe it changes anything for these performers? Always. Wow. Because Dave Chappelle is a top three comic. <laughs> yeah. Right? So... Would top comic, would Bill Burr, example, top mm-hmm. comic, right? He sees everybody's face. He's insulting everybody. Yeah. And it's a funny, he's very funny. But if I'm Bill Burr, they're like, well, do I yeah, really want to lose it. my life? Did,
14: did you watch the video carefully? As best I could. Okay, look, I mean, it was about I, three, or four, three or four seconds. And three or four seconds is enough time for that. Crazy yeah. guy to do what he wants to do, and apparently he had a knife on him and a gun that was fake, I think. Yeah. But he had a knife on him, he could have done damage to Chappelle. If you watch it carefully, he gets on top of him after he tackles him and then leaves immediately. Security cards are right there, but it took three or four seconds, and I'm sorry, but that's...
13: Yeah.
4: We're that's, not security experts, I, I, but I just think it says... the a window. Th- that's uh, You know, if they told me it happened at Chuckles in Indiana, i go, wow, guys, you got to look out for those comics. But the best comic in the country at the most iconic place? Scary. Bill, can I watch you tomorrow between
13: 9? I would. uh,
9: 9 and 11, 9 and 11? Eastern
13: time, yes. Thank you.
10: This is Jimmy Fallon,
7: inviting
15: you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com.